Dr. Martin Springer and the other two prisoners were confined in the bell tower of the old church of San Pedro de los Maratires. It was a cubicle room with thick ceiling beams, an iron lockbox, and iron hinges on the seven-foot door, and whitewashed plaster walls. The stairway beyond the door was hardly more than a steep ladder. Hemp bell ropes hung through holes drilled in the floorboards. They could look down a thirty-foot shaft and see their guards in the room below. Sometimes the soldiers amused themselves by ringing the three bronze bells, swinging on the ropes, and Martin was half-deafened for hours afterward. Bastards, I'll get them. Rodolfo Palafox would lie flat on the floor and try to spit or urinate down on the guards, who danced away, laughing and shouting, Spit, traitor, piss, corpse. One night the guards brought in a simple-minded village girl, who was not more than fifteen, and in the lantern light they drank cane alcohol and repeatedly raped the girl and grinned up at the prisoners, crying, Spit, queers, piss, dead men. Their leader, a sergeant, was not seen after that. The priest said that he had been summarily shot for counter-revolutionary activity, that is, for permitting the abuse of the village girl. Two days later, Father Perico joined them in the bell tower, bringing several bottles of sour red wine, cigarettes, and some special foods, butter, cheese, white bread, and a charred quarter of pork. In his soft, lisping Spanish, he talked about God's mercy, sweet and infinite, the pure Holy Mother, the travails of Jesus, the certainty of justice, and love in the true life that will inevitably follow this false and ephemeral life. Death, you know, is the beginning, not the end. Once reconciled to death, a man of faith would cease to regard it as a misfortune, the young priest directed most of his long monologue to Major David Cabrera. Cabrera understood. Martin and Rodolfo Palafox understood, too, and left most of the wine and food for the Major. Father, will you hear my confession in the morning? Cabrera asked. Of course. Judas Goat, Cabrera said, when the priest had gone. Until then, the Major had not really believed that he would die in Tepatzlan. He expected to be ransomed by his family and friends. Men of his class were rarely executed. Cabrera was shot the following morning. Martin watched from the south port. They escorted Cabrera into the walled churchyard, and the young lieutenant read from a document that stated that the Revolutionary Tribunal possessed not only the right but the duty to kill its enemies. In the name of justice, in the name of history, in the name of future generations. Father Perico absolved the man of his sins. The lieutenant established the legality of the execution, and the firing squad, most of them adolescents and oversized camouflage fatigues, fired a salvo. Pigeons, alarmed by the cracking rifles, swirled out of the belfry's attic, Blood roses appeared on Cabrera's tunic. He collapsed in a boneless half-pirouette. 
the lieutenant drew his pistol and, like an assassin, went forward to administer the coup de grace. There was a popping noise, and Cabrera's head moved. No one knew what to do next. Soon Cabrera's face and torso were dotted with flies. He looked like a bundle of dirty rags in the dust of the churchyard. But Cabrera had died in the flamboyant Latin American style, refusing a blindfold and contemptuously giving the order to fire. Until then, Martin had not understood the ancient notion of dying well. It wasn't only the Major's pride, his display of courage, that was impressive. Martin saw that the man had turned his own execution into a kind of theater, had almost cynically exploited his death in order to vindicate his life.